This is the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research on diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at Thorn. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Joining me this week is Sean Pitcher, sports dietitian who specializes in supporting high school athletes. Sean is currently the sports dietitian at Overtime Elite, which is a unique basketball league and academy helping young basketball players achieve their dreams of competing professionally. Sean, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Joel. Excited for this opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, we have a a lot to talk about and kind of uh, your expertise in in high school athletics, but can you give us just a kind of a brief history of kind of how you got to where you are and kind of your history that kind of brought you to Overtime? Yeah, so my roots are originate from a small town called Endicott, New York. It's about an hour south of Syracuse. I always give everyone kind of that marker because no one probably has ever heard of Endicott in their life. So I played football at Buffalo State University. And there I had a professor named Dr. Donation uh, who was able to guide me essentially on the opportunities that were around in sports nutrition. At that time, there really wasn't a lot. Um, as Joel could probably attest, you know, he was part of kind of the original 15 to 20 dietitians that were kind of coming up in the field. So she was able to provide me some opportunities and contacts to show me the way of what's out there, what sports nutrition, you know, this is an opportunity that I can kind of go down. And, you know, from there, I had a variety of different journeys that kind of come into play, you know, with athletics, you know, you're, you're basically trying to jump on the next opportunity that is allowed or, or provided to you. So, you know, I've been at places like University of Buffalo, Pittsburgh State, IMG Academy, uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital. And then, you know, recently when I was at my G Academy, that's kind of led me to where I am today at Overtime Elite um, in the basketball community. Yeah, Sean, I think you and I have talked uh, multiple times in the past, but the idea of kind of bringing the high performance model to high school athletics, super important. Obviously, the, the earlier you can set habits and foundational nutrition, the better. But can you talk a little bit about, I think what's overlooked a lot is the needs of fueling somebody who is still growing, still going through puberty. A lot of people are focused on that and forget about the performance side of it or, you know, kind of just miss the whole idea of what's going on. So can you kind of step back and talk about as a, a dietitian looking at the clinical side of, you know, that foundational growing child, right? And then looking at them also as this elite athlete, can you kind of talk about how you've kind of honed your philosophy and, and what that looks like for you? Yeah, I think a lot of times when you look at high school or adolescence athletes, right, it kind of gets oversighted by I'm an athlete. But at the end of the day, you're forgetting about this is also an athlete that's also growing and developing at the same exact time. So not only are a lot of these athletes getting put a ton of activity, load, and, and pressure on them, sometimes we don't then provide them the appropriate fueling, hydration, sleep, education, or needs that they may need. Or in a lot of cases, right, it's, it's up to us as practitioners to try to help educate the coaches, the parents, and other practitioners out in the field to be able to enable them to have the resources or at least have the contacts they can essentially go to to be able to provide the appropriate education for athletes at these specific ages. Now, obviously this age group is also very challenging too. Uh, we're in a go-go society. So if you look at a typical athlete's schedule routine, you know, you're starting in the morning time, who knows, getting up anywhere between five to seven o'clock, you have school, you have obviously your training, practice, maybe a competition or game. So there's a lot of times if you're not planning and thinking forward and thinking ahead, which many athletes at this age aren't, 
um, they rely very heavily on the parents. So what I've had to do, you know, especially the last four years is not only take the athlete, but also be able to try to contact the parents and say, Hey, this is what I brought to the table. And I'm trying to help your, your son or daughter do, but on your end, these, these are things I'm going to need, right? Because they control groceries, snacks, fluids, you know, if they're going out to eat, if they're eating at home, a lot of those factors are going to then determine uh, what decision the athlete's going to make at that age. You know, there are a lot of times they're not able to make decisions on their own or they don't have the finances to do those things on their own. So I think a lot of those details at times can be forgotten about, but definitely need to be brought to the forefront to allow us as the dietitians to do our job, whether it's a consulting role or hopefully, you know, my, my passion and ambition is try to get more dietitians into the actual high school space so we can have some more full-time people to help with that behavior change. You know, literally making an athlete or an administrator, I mean, a, a coach or an administrator go through the day that the athlete does because they only see their part of it, right? And even if you want to do the best, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, we had like 45 minutes to fuel the entire day, right? There was no food in class, right? And like, we never had time to go back to our list. So even if I wanted to, right? So I think, I think part of that, it, it's just incredible that those resources are there and just somebody being like there to ask those questions, be like, what are they going to eat? What's the fueling plan, right? I think that's so important. And your kind of unique experience, you're, you're one of the more experienced people in the profession in the high school space. You kind of have a unique way of assessing those needs and kind of figuring out what the athlete actually needs. What's the right now answer? Uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of how that came to be and what's a little bit unique about it? Yeah. So currently right now we collect all of our information through what's called an athlete management system. Um, there's different ones out there. You know, I've used Kitten before. We currently have SmarterBase. Some university and pro settings will bring in their own data analysts and developers and they'll build out their own. So it really kind of depends on what's going to be you know, beneficial or unique for your environment. But my big thing is I don't want to guess on what's going on with the athlete. I want to be able to track the information. I want to be able to analyze it. And I want to be able to provide that information back in a quick response to either the coaches or the staff or the parents. So that way in real time, they have an idea of what's going on why we're collecting it and what we're going to be doing about it. I don't want to be in a position where we're sitting there two, three, four months down the road and an athlete doesn't gain weight and we don't know why. I'd rather be tracking their weight, for example, for the next four weeks. And if they're progressing up, staying the same or going down, then I can at least in real time, right there in that moment, provide some feedback or suggestions or work with them during that week or every other week to try to get them in a better space. So we kind of have some buckets that we look at information. One is obviously going to be body comp. We do ISAC testing. So looking at bone breaskers and our uh, skin calipers. So we'll be looking at their lean muscle mass, fat mass. We'll do weights every Monday, specifically in the morning before they eat or drink anything, which I always tell them, I want to look at Monday through Sunday, what you've done, right? A lot of athletes will say, well, my weight went up this day and went down that day. At the end of the week, right? What did you do over seven days? And did that put you in a position to put you in the right direction? We're looking at some different options from hydration technology. Obviously with hydration, it's gotta, you gotta have the right amount of staff depending on what tech you're gonna use. You know, we're looking into things like inflow and intake and, and doing more of a behavioral change opportunity. Inflow is something you can basically use in a urinal and it'll pop up a color and then provide the athlete some type of information back to tell them kind of where their hydration testing and then kind of have some education literally right there in front of their face. Like, Hey, you're popping up a red. Here's the protocol that you need to do right now to hopefully put you in a better position for activity. And, you know, we're also very fortunate and not many high schools can do this, but 
Uh, we do biomarker testing so we can see where a lot of their micronutrient levels are so we can provide the appropriate supplementation to get them to an optimal position, right? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to keep them on the court, keep them available, and your best friend is availability. If, if you can stay available 90% of the time, you're going to be able to not only help yourself as an individual progress to get to where you want to be, but you can also then help your team and their overall, which is to win games, to get to get the playoffs, and then to win a championship. Yeah, Sean, you kind of indirectly touched on it when you were talking about weights, and it's it's always very important to have that relationship with the athletes for them to understand the data you're collecting and why. But I think it kind of brings up a good point of how do you establish relationship with this younger generation? I know every way I've ever previously communicated is not the way they like to be communicated to. So can you talk a little bit for our coaches, parents, practitioners listening? How do you do that education? You know, you talked about, hey, you're looking at your urine color, the education's right in your face, you can't miss it. But with this kind of short attention span and different sources of, of social media. How are you making the impact you traditionally had made previously? I think what would you said there at the very end, first and foremost, is you, if you don't want to do social media, that's okay. But that's where our generation is moving. Like that's where they obtain information. That's where they're seeking advice. So the more I can try to figure out what spaces that they're going to receive information, the better. Uh, and a lot of times I just ask them, how do you want me to communicate with you? Right? Is it text? Is it phone call? Is it FaceTime? Is it you rather me just post something on Instagram and you follow me and then you can look at that every day? You know, also, what is your learning style? You know, athletes don't want to be talked at anymore. They want to be worked with. So it's going to be a collaborative effort from that standpoint. Just telling them information and putting a PowerPoint up isn't going to work. So a lot of times, and I'll give you an example, let's say there's two topics that I kind of figure out that the group is struggling with. Let's say it's cramping and let's say it's pre-exercise fueling. So what I'll do in that situation, right, instead of putting a PowerPoint up or putting up all these words on, on a board, you know, I'll ask them, here's two topics out of these two topics, which one would you guys like to discuss, right? Gives them an opportunity. It's something we still need to talk about, but gives them an opportunity to choose what they want to choose. All right, cramping. Cool. We're going to go ahead with that. Who here is cramped, right? A lot of times people won't raise their hand, but there's usually one or two that are going to say, oh, yeah, that's me. And then I can use them as an example. And then now I'm, I'm doing their real life situation up on the board, or we're just discussing and talking through it as a group or doing some type of activity. And once one guy in the group, especially if they're a significant figure amongst that group or team says they're having issues, that tends to open the door a little bit for more guys and then try to voice their opinion or voice their experiences, right? And then now we're having this, this discussion that's, that's coming about, but at the same time, right, I'm also then able to put in some of that education and things that I want to get to them, but I'm taking a lot of what they want to talk about, taking on, you know, their suggestions, their experiences, and trying to put it into real time application for them, because I want to be able to give them something they can take hopefully after that 30 minutes in our discussion. And can they directly go apply that today, tomorrow, or the next week? Um, and can they feel a difference or a change specifically from that? I think the biggest thing that we can do is when we feel that the athlete feels a change in energy, feels better, makes more shots, whatever that specific specific feeling is for the athlete gives us a better opportunity for them to buy in a lot faster to what we have to say, and then hopefully gets them to come back for more questions. I work a lot with our facilitators and academics as well, and they, they have definitely provided me a lot of ideas on how to approach the athletes from their perspective. And I think, you know, collaborating with those, you know, staff members that you have in place is only going to make you a better practitioner. 
uh, because you know you don't know everything, but there's people out there that know how to educate and bring things to the table in a way our athletes of this generation understand. So I'm trying to utilize those resources to the best of my ability, especially since they're in-house. Yeah, I think you t- hit on two things that are super important there, and that's one kind of just establishing the rapport and, and making everybody know like, hey, I'm here for you. My job is to help you in any which way. But two, I think what's missing, especially in younger athletes, is that mental tie to, okay, what I eat, what I drink, what I, how I recover. That's when I feel something off or when I feel better, taking that step back, be like, what did I do different to make me feel better, to make me so, I think that's super important and really impactful the way you kind of handle that. We talked a little bit, I, I touched on it earlier, but, and you're, you've got a couple guys up for the draft in a couple of days here. Can you talk a little bit about how important the idea of establishing foundational habits early are in nutrition for, you know, just optimization, but also career longevity, health and wellness, quality of life after your playing career, the whole the whole gambit of what we deal with as dietitians. Yeah. So, you know, if we use obviously those two as an example or any of the athletes that I work with, I, I do what's I do a one on one assessment that I've created that I can actually track in our athlete management system. Um, I'm working with actually a couple of dietitians right now to try to see if we can utilize this tool as something to possibly validate or use amongst a lot of dietitians just because it provides the athlete an opportunity, not only for the athlete to discuss and the dietitian to assess them, but on top of that, there's that visual representation, right? I think a lot of times when you're talking to an athlete and then you don't have the visual representation or they can't visually see or think about what you're trying to do, it, it can be very challenging to kind of get your point across. So what we do is I have this initial assessment I do, I'll do reassessments after that. And it basically will look at their nutrition behavior their hydration habits, sleep habits, and then also their fueling routine. And based on the responses they provide me, they then get a score that then goes in the assessment. And then I can track their progression over time, you know, along with all the other data points, what that helps me kind of do is be able to show the athlete a big picture view. Hey, here's, let's say certain things that you have trouble with. Let's say you only get six hours of sleep. You miss breakfast. And instead of hydrating all day, you hydrate parts of the day. Okay. On top of that, Here's obviously your body comp and weight. Here's your biomarkers. Here's what your weight has fluctuated and looked like in the preseason, during the season, and in the off season. So now I have all these points and data so that when I can sit the athlete down, whether it's frequently or during specific times of the year to provide them essentially what is a report, I can then show them either acutely what's going on or I can show them big picture what's going on. So then in that case, when they're progressing on the college, when they're progressing onto the pros, right? Hopefully I can then provide them that picture and show them, Hey, these are parts of the year. You're doing a fantastic job. Like if we can continue these habits and behaviors during this time, that's going to make you very successful. But here's, let's say, for example, in the off season, or when you get done with the season, you tend to become lax, maybe, you know, start to forget and not do or be consistent with some of those things. And this is how that can impact as you go in the preseason or going into your next season. So trying to give them that overall picture, trying to give them the data that supports that and trying to show them obviously, you know, positive reinforcement, what you're doing a really great job at, but then here's some specific areas that we can try to touch on that I think that can help optimize or maximize your performance and put you in a lot better position from year to year. So that way, hopefully you have, longevity throughout your career and you're not one of those guys that has a great year injured great year injured because if you want to play 10 15 20 years right we've seen a lot of the greats that have been able to do that it's at the end of the day taking care of your body 
and putting as much as you can into the recovery portion that you put into the two to four hours that you're doing your activities. And as a, as a former pro dietitian, I thank you for all the work you're doing because you make it easier for, for everyone at the next level and, and kind of bigger picture is those athletes now come in and they are the champion. We talked about there always has to be one champion that kind of brings everybody else along on the nutrition and recovery journey. So you're, you're impacting not only that individual player, but really the, the impacts of every team they touch afterwards, which is so important to me. Yeah. My, my hope is, you know, my athletes that leave me when they, when they go to the next place, college or pros, it's easy for that dietitian, right? If they don't have to do a lot, it's a couple of tweaks. Maybe they can start talking about some higher level things they can do to continue to progress their career and help with fueling recovery, reducing inflammation of source, whatever that is. But it was the same thing at the last place I was at. If I can just create better humans and better people and put them in positions where they have those long-term skills and tools, it's going to make it a lot easier for the practitioners coming up. And they can then be a leader in the locker room for other athletes, right? Hey, I'm, I'm 18 years old and I'm coming into your, your division one college as a freshman and out of the 16 to 18 guys you have on your basketball team, you know, I'm already above and beyond everybody and I'm already starting right versus the guy who's been there for two or three years. I'm not starting, but doesn't take care of himself. Having a lot more role models coming in at that young of an age that can handle their business definitely can, I would say, probably push a lot of athletes that are going to come in around them. And then now the athletes are doing the work they are promoting that these things are a benefit rather than us as the white noise saying the same things over and over and having to come up with a lot of different stuff to try to get across to them. Absolutely. I mean, it makes all the difference in the world. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, the assessment and everything you do to make sure you understand each athlete individual. Can you talk about how that's kind of informs your idea of how you incorporate supplementation or not with your athletes? This is probably the first year of my eight years where I've actually been able to do biomarker testing. And, you know, not only just do it once, but doing it consistently several times throughout the year to be able to track trends, right? You know, I th obviously we're always going to have a food first approach, but I think in many areas nowadays, it can be very challenging, especially on the athletes, certain tastes, textures, foods they like, foods they dislike. It can be really challenging to get a lot of those micronutrients and specific food groups in them to be able to make sure that they're going to be at the levels that they need to. So Getting this testing has been really key for us because, you know, if an athlete's got a 15 for their vitamin D, I'm able to show them that and say like, hey, if we don't get this up to an optimal level or at least a normal level, this is going to put you at a higher risk for injury. And in that case, you know, if they're not at that level they need to, it provides me an education opportunity. It provides me opportunity to say we need to include these options. And then on top of that, hey, make sure you're taking your supplementation on a regular basis. And then if I can pull that data throughout the year to then show them, right, that they're being on the court more because they're eating what we're telling them to eat, they're supplementing how they're supposed to supplement, and they're probably going to report at the end of the day that they're feeling better, they're recovering faster, right? I can also tie in the coaches. Are you making more shots? Are you getting more rebounds? You know, is your shooting percentage going up? You know, now I'm tying in everybody that's within – our facility and with our company. And the more people I can tie into that, that's just going to create more buy-in and value for me to continue to try to do this, um, to make sure the athletes are getting what they need from a resource perspective. All right. Now it's time for us to take a short break. When we come back, we'll answer some questions from our listeners.
You put in the work at the gym, on the court, at the track, pushing your body to the limit. Now maximize those results and unlock your inner champion with Thorne's high performance sports nutrition line. With pre-built fitness bundles, like Thorne's training bundle, you can jumpstart your training and fitness routines and take your performance to the next level. Thorne offers the most comprehensive line of NSF certified for sport products on the market, making Thorne the unquestioned leader in quality and innovation in sports nutrition. Visit Thorne.com to learn more. That's T-H-O-R-N-E.com. And we're back. So, Sean, the first question coming at us from our listeners, the question is, what age is it okay to start weightlifting? And I know you've got that a lot. <laughs> uh, I would say the big thing there is it is okay to do resistance training. It is not going to stunt your growth. The younger the, younger the age that you can provide your athlete an opportunity to do some type of training is going to be extremely beneficial as they grow and develop. Now, if they're really young, right, 10 12, 13 years old, right? Depending on kind of how developed they are, you know, what stage of adolescence they're in, right? Just starting even with some simple body weight stuff, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, air squats, doing different jumps, doing med ball throws, stuff that even is a small resistance. If you're someone who is still hesitant to doing a lot of extra added resistance, that is some really baseline stuff that you can add. Now, obviously, if you want to get to more resistance training, I'm going to highly recommend that you have somebody that is CSCS, CSCCA, someone that has a strength and conditioning degree, background, and credentials. So that way you are having someone you can trust and that's going to teach your athletes or your son or daughter the appropriate movement patterns, technique, and in that way they're developing those from the start as they progress up and through. You know, what I see a lot of times is athletes want to go start resistance training. They're not quite sure what to do. And then all of a sudden they'll get in the gym and they'll try to squat, but they don't know how to do it correctly. And then let's say you do that poor technique for multiple years in a row. A lot of times when you're getting into middle school and high school, or there's even athletes in high school who have never lifted a weight in their life to then go to college and start resistance training, the better technique you can learn early on, you'll set yourself in a better position when you then do get exposure and experience to those things. Yeah. Just like uh, nutrition. If you, uh, build good habits early and have a, a great foundational, it, it tends to go with you as you grow. So the next question is actually uh, kind of a, a second part to that. The question is, my son's a football player and wants to bulk up. He's only 16. How should he be trying to gain weight? So my top three things that I use for any athletes that are trying to increase muscle mass or increase weight. First and foremost, I look at there's seven days in a week, right? We have three breakfasts and we also have three snacks. So if you do seven times six, 42 opportunities an athlete has every single week to capitalize on getting all their meals and snacks in. That's first and foremost. The next thing is, you know, I have some strategies that I'll use with our athletes to try to help encourage getting more calories in. The first one is, can you increase your liquid calories? So juices, whole milks, smoothies, shakes, right? It tends to be a lot easier at times to drink things than it is to actually physically chew things. Especially if you have a lot going on, you're going from place to place, right? Every meal, add 16 ounces of whole milk. Maybe twice a day, you have a smoothie. And those are things you can add to your meals in addition to your snacks that are going to be really easy to get a lot of calories in, but you won't have to physically chew them so it won't be as hard to get those calories in. The next thing would be increase your healthy fats. The one thing I always say if you want to visualize this in your mind, peanut butter, a tablespoon is about a thumb's worth. So if you, have, if you hold both your thumbs up right now, 
that's two tablespoons. Two tablespoons is almost 190 to 200 calories, right? Or a palm full of nuts, almost 150 to 200 calories. So if you look at those two things, if I'm having a PB&J sandwich, I'm not just going to do two thumbs worth of peanut butter. You're probably going to do probably six, eight, 10, whatever that is. So that way you're not adding a huge portion of food to something that you're doing, whether it's a snack or a meal, but you are adding a lot of extra additional calories on top of that. And then my third one is just progressively increase your portion sizes over time, right? First and foremost, can you eat 100% what's on your plate? If you can, can I eat another quarter of a plate, a half a plate, a second plate, right? As long as it's not causing me any type of GI or stomach distress, or it's not causing me any negative consequences around my activity time. Um, your gut can adapt to handling more food over time. So just trying to go from zero to 100 isn't gonna be the right thing to do, but if you slowly add additional portions onto your meals, your snacks, and your body is able to adjust and handle those, and you're still able to do what you need to do during the activity time, that's a method you can utilize as well. So I'll always ask my athletes, hey, here's these three options. Which three are you willing to do or willing to try, right? It becomes that relationship, that trust. Hey, I'll do this and I'll add to this week, cool. And then basically just becomes following up with them and asking, how is that working out? Is your weight shifting in the right direction that we want to? And then hopefully after doing that, we're making some progress. Yeah, I, I said it before. I think people wildly underestimate how many calories it takes just to grow new tissues of growth and then not to grow new tissues and muscles and tendons and whatnot on top of that. Just a, an incredible amount of calories. So for sure, kind of the best place to start. You're growing and developing in general in that age group, and then you tack on all the activity. And, you know, I always say sometimes an athlete has almost a part-time job of just activity, you know, 15 to 25 hours a week. So it's like now you're trying to fuel two different things growth and activity at the same time. So it can definitely be a challenge for sure. All right. So this next one's a, a bit of a tough question that I know we've all dealt with multiple times, but the question is, are there any red flags I should be aware of for how my kid eats and practices? I haven't always been a biggest fan of how our coach handles things. Yeah. I would say if you're in a situation where you don't have a dietitian on hand, it's just a coach, it's a parent, a, you know, a trainer, you know, all these different people that might have exposure to our athletes. I always try to, in those situations, especially at this level, provide them resources that are out there that are free, right? USOC, CPSDA, Shippen, which is a sports organization with the Academy of Dietetics Nutrition, the Australian Dietetics uh, of Nutrition. That's four different sites that all have free resources and infographics that were made and developed by actual sports dietitians or dietitians with a PhD in a, in a research and nutrition background. So if you don't know anything about nutrition at all, you know, and there's these free resources out there, at least bare minimum, try to utilize those. Um, since we're also very heavily on social media, I would say if, if you are navigating those spaces or telling your athletes to look at different things on there, again, same thing. If they're looking at something on social media, does the person have an actual degree in dietetics nutrition? Do they have credentials that says they're an actual licensed or registered dietitian? And where is the information coming from? Is it an actual research article? Is it just bro science? Because I would say 90% of the stuff on there is a lot of BS. So trying to sift through that and provide the appropriate information education is really key. And then I would say my last one is if you have colleges, if you have pro organizations that are in your vicinity, don't hesitate to hit them up on LinkedIn, send them an email and just reach out and see if either they have resources or if they're even willing to come in for 15, 30 minutes and just chat with your athletes, right? And that could at least put them in a better direction 
give you a resource or at least bring someone that's going to be vetted that's been in the field for a while that could provide the proper information education. Yeah, I think you made a really good point. I just want to underline there is, uh, especially at that young, impressionable age, the idea that, oh, this is what my favorite celebrity does. It must work for me that, you know, a lot of times that's not necessarily what they're actually doing. Even if it is, we talked about there's so many different variables that play into what works for you and what your needs are. So, yeah, really being aware of who that credentialed person is that you're getting that information from. Yeah. And one thing I'll head on to, too, is is a lot of time what you're seeing on social media and content, you're just you're seeing the 1%. So even though someone has six pack abs, they look ripped, you know, there, there's huge, crazy looking athlete, right? That's, that's far and few in between, you know, not every athlete body is going to look like that. And just because someone does look like that, isn't going to 100% equate over to them being the best athlete or performing the best. Uh, so I think a lot of times we get these visual misconceptions, we see an athlete needs to look a certain way, but it doesn't always result that they're you're going to perform that way just because they look like that. Yeah. So we always get the question uh, about uh, youth athletes and whether a restrictive diet or a selective diet, whether it be vegan, vegetarian, whatever diet they're trying to follow. Can you talk a little bit about what they need to consider uh, in order to make sure that's right for them as an athlete? I think the best plan is the one you're willing to follow at the end of the day and the one that you're able to actually implement into the schedule and routine that you have and what's going to be realistic for you and your parents to actually be able to do. I think those are things that you need to check the boxes on first. Um, and if you can't do those base level or basic things on a consistent day in day out basis, I think adding some type of restrictive diet or for example, like a vegetarian or vegan diet may make it very challenging to acquire the type of nutrients and micronutrients that you need, right? I'm never going to tell someone they can't do it. They shouldn't do it. Stay away from it, right? I'm just going to ask a lot of questions and see where is it coming from? Why do you feel like you need to do this? Why do, what do you feel like this is going to change? Because a lot of times the athletes are, are transitioning to these types of diets is, again, I saw this professional athlete or this person doing it. Or this person said that I'm going to have energy, I'm going to feel better. But in reality, what are you currently doing that may be causing you to feel that way, which is then the reason why you're trying to shift over to making this vast change that maybe you're not ready or prepared to do, right? If we switch to vegan, we're cutting out all animal products, we're cutting out all dairy products. And my first question to the athlete is, okay, we're cutting out two major food groups. How are you going to get zinc, B12? protein, vitamin D, calcium, right? All these really critical, important nutrients, not only for growth and development, but also to help with performance and recovery. If we don't have an alternative source that we can get them from, well, it's going to make it very challenging. And then on top of that, right, a lot of our plant-based proteins and plant-based options really aren't going to be as absorbable as your animal-based options. And you might have to eat double, triple, or even more than that to get the same amount of nutrients that you would from an animal-based option. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm never going to tell them they can't do it, but we're definitely going to have the conversation so I can just provide a realistic view and see if it's something that they can actually do and follow long-term or have the ability to make those switches um, to foods that are going to be able to provide them the nutrients that they're missing out on from the food they're taking out. All right, let's, uh, let's end on a fun one. I know you're a science guy, a strength guy, a nutrition guy. Uh, you're always kind of tweaking your, your protocols, whatever. I know we, we got you a little uh, 
sneak preview of our upcoming pre-workout, but what are you kind of playing with in your supplementation, training, whatever? What's going on with Sean? Yeah, so actually, uh, you know, I got hooked up with the pre-workout, and what I really like about that is instead of having the stimulant effect, right, it has, it's using things like, you know, um, different mushrooms that are providing more of a focus effect, so I don't have that kind of jitteriness. Um, you know, I've been tr basically using that with like a creatine, something that helps with va vasodilation, like a beet juice or a black currant, um, you know, before my workouts, and then also adding a little collagen there for my, my joint and tendons. So that's something I'm trying to kind of stack and combine together to try to have, mo uh, provide one, a big ben benefit to my own training, but then also try to get some of those nutrients in there a lot quicker to help with the after effects of my training at the same time. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Sean, we talked about finding trusted sources of nutrition information, and you're certainly one of them. Can you tell our listeners where they can find your podcast was an excellent resource and just learn more about the work you're doing? Yeah, so I'm a little bit everywhere nowadays. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, I'm also on TikTok. And then I have, as Joel said, my Roots podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, the main objective of my podcast is to bring on practitioners across athletics in multiple different levels. You know, all the way from high school, D2, D3, NAIA, professional, tactical. Um, I just want to be able to give, not only if it's just a general individual that's interested in athletics, a view of what all these practitioners do and how they help the athlete, but then also on the other side, some professional development and some opportunities for our professionals in the field to see how everybody collaborates and works together uh, to be able to essentially help to serve the athlete. And everyone has different resources at those levels. So you're going to get a wide range of experiences and nuggets um, on how those practitioners do those based on where they're at. All right. Appreciate your time. That was Sean Pitcher, sports dietitian for Overtime Elite. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 Daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.